Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. I'm Nate, and joining me, as always, from the Great White North, the man, the myth, the Canadian legend, which means he's only worth about three-fourths of an American legend, Tim Dombrova. Good day, eh? Three quarters, eh? Hmm. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. All right. Duly noted, and now you get three quarters of effort. <laughs> <laughs> how's, that, how's that different from any other week? Uh, well, we'll see. Uh <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, go. I was going to say, my, uh, you know, you're taking it out on me because my prime minister made fun of your president. I mean, well, as he should. But anyway, no politics. Uh, no, 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 none of that. None of that nonsense. No. What we will talk about, though, is the fact that Tim and I are coming at you pre-recordedly. So you're hearing this. After the Wednesday date, this show is actually being recorded ahead of time. There's a reason for that, Tim. Is there not? Yeah, something about somebody trying to better themselves. I don't know. Yes, it is finals week for Nate here in in, uh, good old West Virginia. I've got three finals this week, and Tim and I made the decision to record early, so that way I could focus this week on my final exams. Let's call it what really happened. You voted yes, and I got three quarters of a yes or a no, so I was not. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh-huh. My vote did not register. Well, at least it wasn't three fifths like back in the day, like they used to do with slaves. Oh, jeez, I thought we weren't going into politics. Oh, shit. Not politics. That's just a Quiet fact now. that happened. Quiet now. Quiet now. Let's. let's but anyway, let's run that. Let's see if that uh, that opening goes today. Let's, let's, let's see, see what let's it does push, here. Let's try it let's out. Push our luck. We're on fire. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meets at StayClassyMeets.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter, at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. And this is Wide Men Can't Jump. No one can forget that. And uh, the intro works again, man. We're on fire. You know, that intro is so hot that a wave started here in my house. 
Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> one A one-man, one-cat wave. Oh, the cat got in on it, huh? Yeah, it, it was a spectacle to behold, mate. Oh, absolutely. And uh, speaking of spectacles to behold, boy, do we have a lot to get to. This week in terms of the NBA, oh my goodness! And, and spectacles, um, spectacles might come into play. Um, well, you want to talk about spectacle? We should talk about a couple of players that don't have any testicles. But that's another, that's another thing. Well, no, but it, but it's it's relevant. I mean, and and it speaks to the. Uh, I don't know if it's a growing trend. If that's the right words. But it seems that the, uh, I mean, NBA officiating, let's just, let's just get right to it. NBA officiating has always been uh, shaky to some degree because it's a fast-moving game, and some of it is purely subjective. Um, you know, what's a foul, what's not a foul. But now we're starting to get into the realm of things that are, okay, how do you miss these things how does this happen um and then to top it we got one of these and we've talked about this off air but we got one of these rules that no one can really tell me why it's a rule and they never ever call it but it's a rule and then suddenly for some reason we're going to enforce it for an afternoon at a time and then directly influence the outcome of a game on a rule that nobody pays any attention to 99.999 times. And then for some reason, a referee decides he's got to call it, uh, not being aware of what's where we're at in a game uh, I mean, they might as well credit. He might as well be in the box score for getting the winning basket in that game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I mean, for I those can, of you, who, just tell the story. For those who don't know what we're talking about, in case there is do I have to? <laughs> well, if I tell it, it's going to get nasty. So you, you, you're the more diplomatic of the two of us. So you probably well. Should. All right. So in case you missed it. The Minnesota Timberwolves were in Oklahoma City taking on the Thunder. And usually, this is usually a uh, a pretty good rivalry, pretty good matchup. And it was, again, it was a close ball game. Um, it was down to, I think the Wolves had a, I think it was a one-point lead. One or two point lead. I think it was a one point lead. Carl Anthony Towns goes to the free throw line after Josh Kogi gets a huge rebound, right? So Kogi gets the rebound, comes down with it, and Towns is fouled, goes to the free throw line, okay? Now, here's what happens. I think he bricked the first one, so the Wolves are up one. Or maybe they were tied when he went to the free throw line. I can't remember. I think they were up one. Jordan Bell missed a free throw. Towns goes to the line. He misses the first one. So the Wolves are up, um, or they were up. Yes, they were up one. All right, so so then Towns misses. I think he missed the first one. 
Um, or he made the first. I'm not exactly well, sure he, on the score. He made, he made one of the two anyway. Yes. Well, we'll get to that. So there was one second left on the clock. Wolves are up one. And it was one one or two. Either way, doesn't matter. So after the first free throw, here comes Jordan Bell into the game. Jordan Bell checks into the game. His jersey's untucked. For those that don't know, if your jersey is untucked when checking into a game, then you are called for a delay of game. That is a rule. Now, this is also a rule that's never enforced. You don't hear it. You don't see it. Honestly, I was stunned when when I heard it was a rule. I didn't know it was a rule until the other night. So, Bell checks in, jersey untucked. Chris Paul points out to the official, hey, his jersey's untucked, his jersey's untucked. That's a delay of game. That's a delay of game. Referee blows the, blows the whistle. I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? They're really going to call this? They call a delay of game on Minnesota. That was their second delay of game. Tim, do you know the rule when you get two delay games in the same game? Uh, that's a technical. That's a technical foul. So then the Thunder get to go shoot a free throw. All right? So the Thunder go and shoot the free throw. They make it. The Wolves are up one. Now, they come back. Carl Anthony Towns, he's at the line. 1.1 seconds left on the clock. After this absurd, ridiculous call that never gets called, it's kind of like traveling with James Harden. You never hear it. You never see it. It doesn't happen. So then... Towns goes to shoot the free throw. Obviously, with one second left on the clock, he should miss. That should be uh, what he does. He should miss this free throw on purpose. He hits it, and it banks in. He was trying to miss because you have to hit the rim um, on the free throw. Have to in the NBA. Have to hit the rim. So he makes it. 1.1 seconds left on the clock. Steven Adams throws a Hail Mary pass to Dennis Schroeder, who catches and puts the ball up in a layup. It goes in. We go to overtime. Wolves lose by 12 in overtime. Now, some people are saying... Some people are saying that it's really in, incredible that the Thunder were able to pull this off, that Chris Paul's a genius for calling this and pointing this out. I'm calling it a bunch of shit, is what I'm calling it. <laughs> because you got a guy... And Chris Paul. All right. Now, let, let's not get to let, – let's not even talk about the fact that they're, they could literally call a carry on every single possession in the NBA. That ball is in, a, is in a dribbler's hand. They could legitimately call a carry every single time. But they don't. I've seen guys checking in with their – I've seen Kyrie Irving play with his jersey untucked all the time. This is a call that does not happen. It, it, it is so rare that I had never heard of it. Honestly. And they call well, it do you, do you in a close think, game. Do you think that maybe it was a, a knee, maybe not even a, uh, a conscious thing, but a knee-jerk reaction to that they, the referees were under the microscope for the blown hardened call? And the blown LeBron watch me carry the ball halfway down the court without dribbling call. Um, 
that it was maybe just like, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna show them that uh, we're we're on top of things here. We're gonna call this because it's technically it was technically a a violation. Like they weren't wrong. It's just they never ever call it. And it would have been one thing if they called it in the first two minutes of a game, and it was just a call for delay of game you and no technical. You can't make that call at that time. It's you like the no call on the foul. You, you can't, can't do it. You can't make it knowing that you calling it is going to tie the game up with point one second left. Well, more than likely. More than likely, though. Well, it's a, it's let's, a get, let's get a neutral there. party here. Let's get a neutral party on the line, and, and we can wait out with him. Go ahead, Jeff. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, dude? I've been watching a little bit of football today and watching the college football playoff show and all that. So just a lounge day today. Well, here, we're, we're on here uh, complaining about NBA officiating. Uh, let me take a guess. Uh, you guys were discussing the end of the Timberwolves and Thunder game of the night. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Tell him what he wins, Johnny. Uh, you have won an all-expenses-paid trip to downtown Logan. Yes, that's right, downtown Logan. <laughs> Where you, too, All can right. see the crack whores and heroin needles. All right, anyway. Um, but, yeah, what, what are your, what's your thoughts on this? Um. Well, I can see why you, of course, I mean, you being a T-Wolves fan, could be upset by the call. I'm biased. I agree. I'm very biased in this. Um, I would be upset if it was my team that a call happened like that. Um, why is there, I mean, there's a rule in, why is there a rule like that, I guess, I mean, you don't want to have. I mean, I don't guess the NBA wants their guys wearing their uniforms out. But um, I'm gonna guess that it was. It's in response to like length of jersey, like that. It's, at least this way, everybody is the same. I think is the thinking. But I don't see like why can't they just go? Hey, your jersey's untucked. Tuck it in. We're not gonna start the game until you tuck your jersey in. Why is well, it, uh, yeah, well, that's that was what it is—a delay of game, right? If that was their second delay of game, yeah, it's a delay of game. That was what was called uh, delay of game. I mean, I mean, that's—I mean, I know it's people look at delay of game like it's a chancy call, but I mean, it 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 delays the game. It, that's what it is. Uh, okay, but they so had to take—they had to take time to. So is flopping. I, mean, I, I saw that somebody got uh, fined for char- uh, flopping they the other day. Should, you should get fined every time you do it. Uh, I mean, Mike Krzyzewski's players, uh, their, their whole career probably. <laughs> A lot of these <laughs> players at Duke have been into the NBA. Boy, we I can mean, tell where your loyalties lie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, I mean, Chris Paul, credit Chris Paul, I guess, uh, on his end for noticing it. Okay, uh, but I, I agree with you, but should a should a referee be as easily influenced as that? 
easily influenced. Hell, well, well, he did whatever what, he did whatever Daddy Paul told him to do. Okay, okay. What if he doesn't call, make that call, and Chris has, Paul after the game has uh, zero. Okay, but it has zero effect on the outcome of the game. If he doesn't call it, it's not like that prevents anything. Nothing's going to change in the game. He, Look, that, that I'm not going to pretend. I'm that not going to pretend. Well, I'm not going to pretend that the Wolves, even with this call, the Wolves should have still won this game. Even with the call. Yes. They should have. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend like they shouldn't have. That game had no business going to overtime. No business. Taking the free throw and then a, a Hail Mary Christian Leitner on the pass Stephen Adams. Sure, getting off a tough shot. Um, none of that should have happened. But the fact that Towns made the shot, free throw, that you know, should have missed the free throw, and the Thunder should have had to take a 90-footer. That was what should have happened, but it, it didn't. And as soon as it went to overtime, I said, you know what? Game's this over. game's over. It's yeah, over because you could feel I, it. I think my bigger problem with it is this. We had a game two nights before that where an obvious basket was not counted, and they couldn't get it right. And that's, and then the thing was, well, it's just, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, all right. But that, you know... To me, it's I just don't know that the, the 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 crime don't fit the punishment. The punishment don't fit the crime in this case. To me, I just don't get it. I don't understand why this is why this is even why it's a delay a game at all, and I don't understand why. Like as a referee, you have got to look at that and go, "Geez, if I call this, I'm probably going to change the, the outcome of this game." And it's not an on-the-court thing, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not like somebody fouled somebody or it's different somehow. I just don't get it. Well, my thing is, like, why is – I mean, I don't really – I mean, I know that the NBA officiating is – I mean, the NFL was bad there for a while, and it's here lately it's got a little bit better, although in the New England game they missed a call today. <laughs> couple calls actually uh i'm sure people won't care or it's new england over the years well, that, anyway, that check so. that check will not clear uh next week for the officials so that's <laughs> their fault taking money out of their kids <laughs> retirement fund so <laughs> besides that um why is it a rule i believe you know referee i think they i mean i believe they had to make the call well, uh, no he doesn't he can, I mean, he can he can look away and go, well, you know yeah. what, so what? There's point one yeah. left on the clock. How does this affect anything? I mean, if there's, I mean, it's one of those things where if there's, there's three minutes left in the game, or if there's one second left in the game, I mean, I mean, I believe you have to. Well, you yeah, should, but but then my but then my argument goes to okay, you have to make that call. All right. So when why when LeBron walks down the court and everybody sees exactly. it, everyone in the <laughs> everybody in the building knows he did it. All right. I but agree. that, but that, but that call we don't have to make. Now, and uh, I'm not picking, and I'm not picking on LeBron either. I'm just because that's one that's in recent, fresh in everybody's memory. Um, there's got to be other rules on, on the books that they never ever call. Yeah. So it's so it's either we got to call it. So every time from now on, a guy who doesn't have his jersey tucked in, there better be a delay a game call. That's all I when, when, when he enters the game, right? It's when he right. yeah, during the game. 
Yeah, there better be that, that call better be made every time. Because yeah. if it's not, well, then it should be. Then yeah, then that's bogus. And then if that's, yeah. they're not going to call it, then don't make it a rule. I, and I agree with uh, Nathan. Uh, Towns has to do a better job of missing that shot. Very that true. That foul shot. <laughs> if he misses the foul shot, they don't even talk about this, and uh, they don't get a chance. Um, so they didn't have any timeouts left. So if he just clings it off there, I mean, he could have one-handed it off there and bounced it back to himself or you know, okay, anything. So there is another question. Somebody, you guys, I'm okay, I'm not as big of fans as you guys. Why do you have to put the ball off the rim? Why is that a rule? It's a rule. I don't, I don't know. Okay, but, but, I guess but what's, to, the think, what's the thinking behind it? I, and what's the, I guess. And what's the, what's the punishment, okay, if I go to shoot a free throw and I don't hit iron, what happens? You the ball goes to the other team out of bounds immediately. So so right. if I'm shoot but that's if I'm shooting two, and I throw up my first one and it's an air ball. Mm-hmm. I don't get a second shot. Yeah, you get a second shot. And then but okay, so then where's the punishment on that then? Well, you you, you got fouled for two shots. You can't take right. No. Okay, but I go I go to shoot my first one and it's an air ball. I don't get punished for not hitting the rim at that at that moment. Right. Okay, so is, why do is that, re, is that referred to as a delay of game, Nathan? If you don't hit the So why do uh, I on this why do I, I on the second so. one? No, it's not. It's not. Um, well a second you don't have any more foul shots after that, so I mean I think All it's right. like All that. Right. So if I is it just to it's keep like that from, the NCAA to keep, too, I keep, Is it to guarantee that the other team gets possession after my second shot? I believe it's more of a you know, if you're at the foul line, you should be irrelevant enough to hit the rim. I guess that's the maybe perhaps that's the penalty. Well, I think um, me and, I think I, Shaq and I would disagree. Who knows, honestly? I don't know. I'm asking because I don't know what the. I'm going to guess that at some point there was good logic behind the reason why it was made a rule initially. But maybe they need to revisit at least that, the, like, why it's a rule. I, I'm, I'm going to look into this. Um, if I can, here we go, free throws and penalties. I, I'm going to try and find this. Um, this could take a minute. <laughs> But like I said, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm not understanding. So you got two. Let's say you've got two shots. All right, you throw up your first one, and you don't get you, you airball it. All right, you get your second shot. Whatever happens, happens. If you've only got one shot, and you airball it, they, they the other team immediately gets the ball. Correct. Right. Okay. What if I actually well, they, they just they take the ball out of bounds. Okay, so why can't I just – what if I legitimately miss? I don't get a chance to recover that missed shot like I would if I hit it off the rim? Why? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I don't understand why there's any difference. I don't, I don't get it. No. You may, you ask good questions. That's all I can tell you. Well, I'm just like okay, I'm not like I'm sure maybe somewhere in basketball thinking or logic or something there's a reason. I'm just saying I don't know what it is. I mean, Nate and I had this discussion about uh, in hockey where if you shoot the puck over the glass, 
and nobody touches it on the way out, you get a delay of game penalty. And the argument is, well, it's it's a intentional delay of the game. And I'm like, well, so is icing the puck. You you deliberately shoot it down the ice so that the play will stop. Well, how's that not delay a game? And to me, it's kind of the same thing. I'm not seeing what the difference is. I get a chance. If I hit it off the rim, we get a chance to fight over it. But if we don't, or if I don't, we don't get the ball back or don't get a chance to get it back. Like I said, maybe it's, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not grasping it. Sorry. I might just be stupid. It's quite possible. I can't rule it out. Uh, I think uh, it falls under the violation of a free throw play. A free throw shooter shall not purposely fake a free throw attempt. It says there, this is a violation by the shooter on all free throw attempts, and a double violation should not be called if an opponent violates any free throw rules. If the free throw attempt is to remain in play, the opposing team shall inbound on either sideline at the free throw line extended. If the free throw attempt is not to remain in play, then the play will continue from that point. Okay. Then my argument is, so if I don't hit the rim on purpose, I get punished. But if I throw a freaking rocket up there that we all know I'm not attempting to put this through the hoop, that's okay. As long as it hits the rim. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm. Yeah, well, that, I'm I mean, that law, you're right. The logic there is. I'm lost on the logic up, in there, but maybe, maybe there is. It's a, it's a small there. loophole they found. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'll, I can live with that. If that's. I mean. I mean, the rule there again, though. At the end of the day, the rules are the rules, whether they make any sense or not. Yeah. If that's what they are. If that's what they are, that's what they are. I just. I kind of think of the tuck shirt thing. They're just, I mean, okay, we're just not going to let you check into the game. You don't, your shirt's not tucked in. We're not, we're not letting you in. Then, then yeah, apparently it's any... considered, it's considered a delay a game if you check into the game with your, the, the logic is, I think, is to prevent maybe teams from slowing the game down to maybe get like a second to catch their breath or a second to maybe call a play or something on a dead ball when they shouldn't. When you're motioned into the game, you're supposed to come in with your shirt tucked in, ready to play, according to the rules. You're supposed to be like, if you step on that court, you were supposed to be, I'm on the court, so if play started right now, I'm ready. Basically, that's the whole argument. What would stop you from, okay, I'm not ready to play. All right, uh, you can't check in. Next guy. Oh, he don't have his jersey tucked in either. Oh, another two seconds goes by. You know, blah blah blah. Maybe that's the thing. Again, I, I don't, I don't know the jersey tugging in. I don't know why that's a a, a thing, but it's it's a rule, an old Maybe rule, so can... a rule that doesn't get called, and apparently only called when Chris Paul decides to uh, tell the officials to blow the whistle, like the snitch that he is. Also, <laughs> in case you didn't know, in case this you didn't know tonight, no, 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 hold on, I'm not, Chris Paul's not done yet. Weekend's well, not over. Do? Uh, what do you do now? Oh, tonight literally just happened uh, about 15 minutes ago. Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, something happened in the game with the Portland Trailblazers and the Thunder. Chris Paul gets the ball, and Carmelo Anthony looks at the official and says something and begins to run down the court. Chris Paul points at the official, points at Carmelo Anthony, and tells the official he's mouthing off. And the official called Melo for a technical. Wow. What? 
does Chris Paul have pictures of the officials in a gangbang? Like, what is going on? Well, Chris Paul uh, may have a, uh, after he gets out of the NBA, he might be an NBA referee. <laughs> well, his ass needs to go somewhere and get out of my league if you're going to sit over here like this. Sheesh. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's trying to win some kind of like Boy Scout badge or something. Like I don't know what Chris Paul's trying to do, Mister Enforce the Rules. I think they should call caring on his ass every single time he comes down the court. Because every single play down the court, you can call caring. Literally, every single play. Tell me I'm wrong. Is is there even a caring call anymore in the NBA? I've seen it called occasionally, but you never see it on the stars. No. I mean, for for the love of God, I watched LeBron James pick the ball up and take three steps the other night and then dribble it again, and nobody said a word. The officials were standing right there. <laughs> they were looking at it, and nobody blew the whistle. Meanwhile, my guy comes in with his shirt untucked because he's been playing all game and he's been hustling and, and, you know, keeping your shirt tucked in can be uncomfortable sometimes. He untucks his jersey and and the next thing you know, we're in overtime. Sheesh. I don't know know what's going on anymore. And it's become laughable. It's become just sad because it's, it's more star calls. It's more... Oh, you're one of the great ones, so here, you get what you want. We pamper the stars. It's ridiculous. Like, could you like, could you imagine, for example, if, if like, Brian Scalabrini had been on, at the line and told an official to, to blow the whistle? Hey, hey, his shirt's untucked. No, because they'd have been like, who the hell are you? I don't know. He's official, man. And, and, and Scott Foster, if you're listening, Scott Foster, go to hell. Sign Nate. Okay? So there you go. Um, he was linked with Tim Donahue. They were good. They were big buddies. He was cleared uh, of any gambling charges so he could come around years later and make a call against poor Nathan Bush, his Timberwolves. Uh, so thanks, Scott Foster, curious, for Nathan. nothing, you bastard. Just curious. What was the spread in the game? Oh. <sighs> Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, that That is actually a point worth looking into. Um, let, let me get, let me get back to you on that. Okay. I think but, the wolves uh, were get. I think the wolves were getting points because Wiggins well, didn't game, play. It was at the thunder. Right? It was at, it was in Oklahoma. We needed Wiggins because if Wiggins would have been there, no problem. We win that game. He's the Thunder Killer. Um, I'm not sure what the spread was. Let me see here if I can find it. Oklahoma City minus two. So the Wolves were getting two points in that game. So they would have needed overtime to. They would have. They would have very much needed overtime. Needed overtime badly, as a matter of fact. Makes you wonder sometimes, doesn't it, boys? I'll tell you what. We should all get together and we should sue these officials for bad officiating. And if I'm going to sue the officials, I'm going to call the law offices 
of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com to sue Scott Foster and his NBA officials. New Law Office, new is for you. Call Stephen P. New. Get your free consultation. Let's hear some more from the great law offices of Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. And we're back again. Thanks to the law offices of Stephen P. New for everything they do for the show. So, Tim, are you good and fired up like I am? Tim, I can barely hear you. Yeah, I can't hear him either. Tim, you're not coming through clearly, my friend. I don't know. Hey, there he is. Okay, well, now I'm holding the mic right in front of my face, but okay, I can do that. Um, I want to change the subject to something more. Okay, change the subject. To something I consider even a bigger disgrace than NBA officiating. Okay. The NBA, the the New York Knicks. Oh, Jeff, what do you think about the Knicks? Who's the New York Knicks? (laughs) Did you see... That press conference when they fired their coach? I missed it. Fill us in on what happened with the press conference. Well, okay. Normally when a team fires their coach, the president and or the general manager comes out and, you know, he thanks the old guy for the effort, but, you know, we're moving in a new direction, et cetera, et cetera. What do the New York Knicks do? They send their, their new coach out there alone to face the media. The other two didn't even show up. They weren't even there. What kind of an organization works like that? That would be the New York Knicks. Is that not odd? Or the Cincinnati Bengals of basketball. (laughs) You ain't far wrong there, my friend. That's a statement right there. I mean... (laughs) I just don't understand. Like, they wonder why nobody takes that team seriously. Well, there you go. And why nobody wants to be, to go there. I mean, let's be that honest too. here. I thought they would be better. I said this last week when we talked to Lou. I thought they would be better. I really did. I thought they would at least be competitive, maybe, maybe steal a couple of games here and there. I didn't think. They would be this bad. I didn't think they'd be better than the, or worse than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Honestly, I did not think that. They're not the worst team in basketball. Actually, technically, if you want to get down to it, as of right now, they are. That could change, of course. But 
four wins. Their lowest winning team in basketball. Only four wins as of our recording time. I, I mean, looking at their schedule tomorrow. Uh, well, I shouldn't say tomorrow, but um, they're off for a couple of days, and then they will have. By the time this airs, they will have played Portland in Portland. And I'm just trying to keep up here. And then they have Golden State uh, the night this show airs. They have then they're off. I mean these are these are winnable games for the Knicks. Then they have the Kings. They're not playing tough tough opponents right now. These can be winnable games. They've lost nine straight games. Have the Knicks nine straight. The only team that, that, that is close to that is New Orleans, who's lost eight straight. But they're without their star. The Knicks are fully – their lineup's full. They're healthy. Is this the best they can do? Apparently. What do you think, Jeff? Mm, I mean, they're, they're – Nathan, they're tough to follow. <laughs> Just say that. No, but, I- uh, They've got some young talent. I mean, if you look at their lineup, they've got talent. R.J. Barrett, uh, good player, young, not consistent yet. He'll get there. Um, uh, Kevin Knox has been pretty terrible this season. Like, we, we can't deny that. Kevin Knox has not been good. He's just not. I mean, Alfred Payton, he's been disappointing. Bobby Portis, they bring over. He hasn't done much. Dennis Smith, who I'm a fan of, has been just awful as well. Um, Mitchell Robinson, a guy that Tom and I were big on, um, he's been doing okay. Nothing to write home about. Julius Randle's really their bright spot. 16.7 points per game to go with eight rebounds, but this team is bad. They are bad. I believe that the – I mean, obviously, morale – is down too. I mean, oh, really? They're probably at the stage where they don't care. Maybe morale is up at the Bisdale House. <laughs> so I'll tell you what: if I play for the New York Knicks and my contract is anywhere near to running out, I am the happiest man in the league because I would not want to play there. Well, it depends on how much money they're fans, paying me. You want to have fans going there, like back in the day when the Saints. Uh, were really terrible when they had paper bags over their heads going to the games. I mean, that's oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's coming back to that. It's really, I don't know if there's any way for them to to get better. That's my biggest issue is the, they don't show any year in year out. They don't show signs of improvement. It's just more of the same. It's like how can you be this bad this long? You're actually at, at some point I'm. Kind of, I'm kind of impressed <laughs> that you can be this bad this long. Well, they've you know, in the last ten years, Nathan, fifteen even, they've missed out on lottery picks. They've made bad trades to lose lottery picks. Uh, they made uh, missed out on picks. Um, you know, they, they've had chances to get guys, Mari Stoudemire, Steph Curry, several. Uh, players that they uh, could have gotten. Uh, I mean, they they haven't really had a championship contending team in 20 years. Although when Melo was there, I, uh, the Heat beat them in 
five games, and they had a they had a pretty good team then. We we all knew they weren't going to beat the Heat though, but no, oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, I mean, they haven't had a, a good team since uh, Ewing was at the tail end of his career. And they had Spree Well in Houston. They had a they lost to the Spurs. I mean, even though all they were right. eight seed that year, they were a lot better towards the end of the year. They got better. Okay, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. Okay, let's go back. Like, let's get in our way back machine here, okay? And let's look at the New York Knicks draft picks. Let's go all the way. Let's go back 20 years. All right, let's look. Before before you do that, let's just throw out there that since 2000, so 20 seasons, the the Knicks have made the playoffs five times. That's it. Okay, but beside the point, let's just look at them building for the future. Okay, let's look at this, shall we? All right, we'll go back to the year 2000. First round, Donnell Harvey, and they trade him to Dallas, and they take Lavor Postel. Okay, now I know what you're thinking, Nate. Who in the hell? Yeah, you, you're you're going to be saying that quite a bit. So here we go. 2001, Michael Wright and Eric Chenoweth. Yeah. 2002, the Knicks landed in the lottery. Seventh pick. They take Nene. What do they do? Ship him to Denver. Which I think that was to get Mello, was it not, uh, Jeff? Was that a part uh, of the Mello deal? I don't think no? so. Uh, Mello wasn't even – he was a – he was at. Uh, okay. Mount yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, he he hasn't been drafted yet. I apologize. Okay. But Nene, shipped to Denver, and they take Milos Vujanic. All right. The next year, 2003, ninth pick, Mike Sweetney from Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah. And they also take guys, two foreign guys, and I'm not even going to try. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They can look at the guys they probably could have had. You don't want. Yeah, it. I mean, you'll just you'll just be scared if you do that. Okay, well, you, you've already put the idea in my head, and I'm on my way there. So we'll go ahead and look at who the Knicks could have had in the 2003 NBA draft instead of taking Mike Sweetney. So let's take a look, shall we? Uh, Jeff, you you may get sick on this, so hang with me. This was the, of course, the famous year: LeBron, Melo, Bosh, Wade. All right, well, honestly, man, David West, Sasha Pavlovich, Boris Diaw, Luke Ridnour, um, maybe not, actually not the Josh Howard, Leandro Barbosa, Kendrick Perkins, Jason Capono, Luke Walton, Steve Blake, I mean, Keith Bogan, Zaza Pachulia, Matt Bonner, Mo Williams, Kyle Korver. I mean, there was players, but nobody leaps out, you know. That was a very top-heavy draft. I mean, Kirk Heinrich, T.J. Ford go in front of him, and then they take Sweetney. Um, Then Jarvis Hayes is right after him. So, I don't know. Not as bad as you would think. Uh, 2004, they actually got a really good pick. Trevor Ariza, they get him in the second round. So, not a bad pick uh, there from the Knicks. Then they get... 2005, two first-round picks. They take Channing Frye at 8 and David Lee at 30. Uh, David Lee, 
Um, I like David Lee. I was a fan of David Lee. Channing Fry had a nice NBA career. I think, uh, you know, I don't think people can really shake their head at those picks. But, 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 but why are the New York Knicks not getting a first-round pick when they were as bad as they were? They traded what? them. Okay, so there, so then that's a part of it too. Is they obviously are making some poor trades because well, they weren't. There, any there is a rule. There is a rule in the NBA that you can only trade every other first round pick you have. That is a rule. That's a what was not Jeff? Don't you? Wasn't that called the? Um, wasn't that the like a Cleveland Cavaliers rule or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, I believe there was some team that. There was a team that would trade their draft pick every year, and they were never going to get better. They would always draft these horrible – or they would trade their draft picks for these aging veterans who just weren't good. And uh, when when the league has got to protect you from yourself. Yeah, like the only thing you can – They really did. I mean, that's the truth. Um, But, yeah, the the Knicks actually had – in 2006, they were – the number two pick, but apparently they had traded years before with uh, the Bulls. And, Eddie Curry uh, and Austin Chandler, probably. Yeah, yeah, that was the trade. And uh, it ended up being Marcus Aldridge. The Knicks that year ended up drafting Ronaldo Balkman with 20th pick. And uh, Marty Collins later in the first round. You know who they missed on? Here's a couple of guys they missed on. Uh, Rajon Rondo, Kyle Lowry, Jordan Farmar, uh, Steve Novak, P.J. Tucker, just to name a few. So, Paul Millsap was another guy they missed on. He was a second-round pick. Um, so, let, let's, let's pick up the pace a little bit here. That was 2006. 2007, they take Wilson Chandler. 2008, Danilo Gallinari. 2009, Jordan Hill. 2010, they only had second-round picks. Andy Rountons and Landry Fields. 2011, Amon Shumpert. 2012, they only had a second-round pick. They take Costas Papanikolaou and immediately trade him to Portland. 2013, Tim Hardaway. 2014, they also had two second-round picks again. Clee Anthony Early and Thaneus and Antetokounmpo, the brother of the Greek freak. 2015, when we all laugh, they draft Chris Stapp's Porzingis. 2017, in what I'm calling the French blunder, Frank Nittikalina gets taken. They passed on Malik Monk, among others. Uh, Damian Dotson and a name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Two second-round picks. Mitchell Robinson goes into 2018. Kevin Knox is the ninth pick. Robinson goes 36 that year. And then this past year, R.J. Barrett, Kyle Guy. So there's your draft picks from New York for all these years. If you go back and look at who's still on the team right now, Frank Nidicolina, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. Everyone else, gone. I think one problem they have it really, I mean, they weren't like strictly at the bottom either. They, I mean, they were in the lottery a lot of years, but they always had like mid-round picks, like between seven and ten. Yeah. And the one year they did have uh, a second-round pick, they had traded it, and then, uh, you know, it's just they they never could do well in the lottery or whatever. But they would always be competitive somewhat during the seasons, and then 
uh, they would finish, you know, 10th or 11th in the conference and find themselves between, like I said, between 7 and 10 and have to pick, make picks like Michael Sweetney or, uh, you know, Baltman was 20th, but um, there were several other times well, they, that they had picks between they, 7 and 10. They probably have the worst owner in the league. That's where it starts, yeah. I agree. No one wants to go there. They can't even land good free agents. They've had money, and you can't blame these guys for I want to go there because everybody's scared to go there. Well, this well, is not a small market team. But it's I mean, it's render. not like it's not like a team that it's not like a team that that's trying to to get free agents to come there and convince them, hey, come here to this team. Like, let's be honest here. The fact that the Utah Jazz can convince people to come play there is astonishing to me. Um, because Utah's such a strange market. I mean, even my Timberwolves, you know, we don't really attract free agents. It's freaking cold up there. There's a lot of markets that aren't attractive. New York City should be possibly one of the top two or three most attractive markets in the country, but they cannot convince people to play for the well, Knicks. Yeah, Everyone wants no, to go to Brooklyn. Nothing can kill a town quicker. Than losing. Nobody wants to go to a perennial loser. The only way the New York Knicks get better is by drafting guys who are good and the team gets better that way. They're never going to do it through free agency anymore. It's too late. Well, of course, this offseason, when they, they were kind of thinking, I know a lot of Knicks fans were really excited thinking, all right, we're going to get Kevin Durant. We're going to get Kyrie Irving. We're going to draft Zion Williamson. Everything's going to be great in New York again. Durant and Irving, they bolt for Brooklyn. They don't win the lottery. They get R.J. Barrett. He's not the he's not a franchise fixer like Zion Williamson potentially could be. Um, it's just it's 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 a sad state. That you're seeing them in. I mean, they they have to trade Chris Epps Porzingis for next to nothing. I mean, they get Dennis Smith out of it. Um, nothing really incredible. They they're going to be ready for free agency in a couple of years. But Tim, if you're right, they're not going to be able to make moves to to convince people to come play there. I don't know. It's just there's a lot of problems there. Well, in the NBA right now, that seems to be. You know, it's the give me the max deal, and I want it on a winner or a potential winner. I'm not going to go to a place where I have an absolutely zero chance of even getting into the playoffs, let alone winning anything. Well, I know this looking at the potential coaching in in influx. You've got Mike Miller as the interim head coach, um, and Keith Bogans is coming up from the G League to the coaching staff under Mike Miller. So Keith Bogans will be there now. So that's I don't know. Like to me, I, I don't. I, this is a band aid. I don't. You know, these guys have no. What's the what's the term I'm looking for here? They have no proven coaching qualities to, to name them the head coach of this organization. Now, 
I'll say this. I think the New York Knicks need a coach who's not going to put up with bullshit. They need a strong personality. They don't need a player's coach. That's the last thing they need. Because that's what David Fisdale was. They don't need a a player's coach. They need a coach that's going to come in and say, my way or the highway, this is what we're going to do. If you don't like it, tough. We're going to win. We got to win. And they they need a coach who's not going to take any crap from the media. Because the New York media is ridiculous. They are very tough, are the New York media. So you got to have somebody that's going to be strong-willed against the media. You got to have somebody that's willing to come in and not put up with any crap that the media is going to throw at him because that's what they do. The New York media, the first thing they want to do is fire the coach anytime they lose a game. So I mean, they need somebody. I don't know who that would be. I, I couldn't pick them out right now if I had to. I would never oh, ever I can, ever I can give, recommend I can Tom give, Thibodeau. I can give you. I can give you one, but he'll never go there. Who's that? Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich, yep. Well, he ain't going there. So. No, he'd never, he'd never go there, but they need a guy like that who is, has no problem telling the media, you know what, that was a stupid question, and I'm not answering it. Next. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that's why I'm trying to think of someone who could possibly I can't even think of there. anybody – in the from the college ranks that fits that mold, most guys I know would get eaten alive in New York City. And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe the New York media is part of the reason why there's some struggles here because there's a lot of people that are just. No, I don't want well, to deal know. with it. I can go coach I'm, somewhere else. I mean, think back to uh, the show we did before the season started. And everybody was, well, maybe back a few more than that during the summertime. Yeah. And, oh, the Knicks are going to get this guy, and they're going to get that guy, and they're going to be great, (laughs) and blah, 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 blah. None of it happens, but the expectations of greatness don't go away. Somehow the Knicks got to be great because they're the Knicks somehow, and that doesn't hold water anymore. They're horrible. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, how do we are four and 19. Like, what can you do? Like, this season is done. It's over. At game 23, their season is finished. <laughs> what? How do you play the next 59 games? Right. I mean, that's what I was saying. No, no one's going to – morale is obviously down. No one's going to come and play. And, you know, Nathan, you touched on something there. You know, the league, for the most part, and a lot of the, the – uh, Sports now, or it's a players' league. I mean, they're going to decide. I mean, they decide a lot of who, you know. Kenya Martin talked about on Colin Cowherd not too long ago, but long ago about how the NBA's became a buddy system. Hey, if you go here, we'll yes. go here with you. Um, and absolutely. And they used to and trade the, uh, what was considered to be troubled players. They got shipped out of town. Now it's the other way around. If the if the the coach is the guy who gets right gets axed. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, coaches have to be willing to to adapt to players' attitudes and take a lot of times their BS or or whatever. You know, really, but, uh, you can't yell at this guy. You got to handle this guy that way, and this guy doesn't take well to this, and that used to not right. be. I mean, there's I mean, there's something to be said for some of that. You know, a good coach does that to some degree, but. You know, the coach still has to be able to be the coach, and he's got to be the 
the last line of, okay, this is how we're going to do things. And that, that those days are gone. You know, if a, if a star player decides he is not going to, you know, I don't like when we play that system. I need to be the first option. 99.7% of the time, or I ain't happy. You can be rest assured. He's either becoming the first option pretty quick or that coach is going to get fired. Right. And, uh, like you, you look at the Spurs this year, well, no, no big free agents is wanting, is wanting to go to the San Antonio. Why? Well, you know, they're not, uh, they know the coach down there is not going to put up with that and, uh, they're not going to be able to have their way or, uh, he's not a player's coach. So, but, but isn't it funny though, too, though, although that's not a problem when they win. <laughs> well, they were winning, that's just you know, the way it is. I mean, yeah, but but it's funny though. They don't. Nobody minds a tough coach if 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 we're putting titles up on the board. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I don't. I think it's probably, to be honest, that's probably a microcosm of pretty much everything. The salaries yeah. went up. The scrutiny went up. Um, even like to get back to the NBA refing thing. You know how how much of that is. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, that's not, it's not as big a deal because nobody sees it. You know, if you weren't watching the game on television, you, you, you might read about it or hear about it, but you didn't see it. Now, 10 seconds after anything happens, it's all over social media. Everybody knows. There's 32 angles from 47 cameras. You know, they are, they are under a microscope that they were never under before. Not saying that's an excuse for blowing calls, but things get blown out of proportion these days. After I just blew it out of proportion earlier. So Well, my question is though, who's gonna become the next coach? Who's gonna step into that? Like who's gonna be the guy that takes the reins of this team and says, I want this job, I want to turn this team around? Because somebody's gonna do it. Good luck trying to find somebody. Who's well, just like willing. the players, a lot of the coaches, your better coaches probably don't want to go there either. Because no, the ownership. So, unless the the pot is really sweet, and I don't know that that's the case. I think the best. The thing only. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Would be the, that's all right. I think the best thing that could ever happen to the Knicks if if Dolan would sell the team. And start. You sound like that's, Wolves that's, fans with Glenn Taylor, but that's, that's, that's beside the point. I mean, well, look at how but there again, right? But there again, now we're we're looking at it purely from a they don't win. I'll bet you the New York Knicks make money every year. And James Dolan yeah. is a, is probably a businessman first and a and a NBA NBA owner second. He probably doesn't really care that much whether the team wins or loses as long as it doesn't affect the bottom line. That's what yeah. people in New York, New York, that's what they really need to do. You want to wake them up and get them to start doing something? Tomorrow night, nobody. Yep, stop buying tickets. Stop watching it on TV. Make their ratings go into the toilet. All that sort of thing. That's what gets the attention of those kind of guys, not wins and losses. They don't really, I don't believe most of them really care about that. You get the odd one that does, who really wants to win, but. I mean, James Dolan is not a uh, – I don't know who an, who an owner in the NBA is that, you know, I liked basketball growing up, and then I got rich and bought a team because I love basketball. James Dolan owns the NBA – owns the Knicks because 
they're worth money. That's why he has a franchise. I think there will be some people that will... I think we're going to see Mark Jackson get offered this job. Perhaps. You know what I just... You know what I just read, not to interrupt you, Nate? Go ahead. Uh, This is December 6th on ESPN, so two days ago. Uh, Rumors are that uh, Knicks may offer head coaching job to wait for it. Meta world peace. (laughs) Now, what Ron Artest knows about coaching, I don't know. Decent player. Well, you know what? How, how much worse could it be, though? <laughs> well, he had. I mean, admittedly, he had might. He might at least stand up to the media. Well, he might punch, he might punch mean, one I, of them, but <laughs> well, that's not your ideal hire. However, I mean, I know he would bring it to the table because he. I mean, he. I mean, I know he was controversial, but he played hard, and uh, you know. <laughs> He would and uh, nearly ki- nearly killed a couple of guys, but nevertheless, yeah. <laughs> and he is uh, including to, fans. To add to it, he's he's gunning for it on Twitter. Well, I'll give him if a I... little credit here. At least somebody wants it. <laughs> okay, here you go. If I ever get the New York Knicks job, my first message would be direct to fans and media. It wouldn't be nice, but I'm a straight shooter. Pinpoint straight. I'm not happy how you guys. I'm not happy how you guys put pressure on every coaching star and star. Shut up and enjoy the game. Be supportive and let's try to win a few. All right, now maybe that's the right attitude. I mean, that's the right thing to say, truthfully. I mean, what do you call him? Is he Coach Peace? Is he Coach World Peace? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Coach Meta, Meta, Coach Meta. Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate question. I mean, do you have to call him Meta World Peace? Is that how it works? Coach Fan Fighter is what I would call him. <laughs> Coach formerly known as Ron Artest, does that work? Could you see, could could you imagine if Ron, if Meta World Peace got the coaching staff and <laughs> got Steven Jackson and oh, – Ben Wallace and Jermaine O'Neal all on the coach. Basically, everybody that was involved in the malice at the palace oh, and got them on the coach. <laughs> that would be hysterical. <laughs> it would be absolutely sweet. It would sure send a message real quick, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like, you think we're afraid to beat your ass? We beat half the, <laughs> half the city of Detroit. <laughs> we're not here to mess around. Well, and Ron Artest, he even beat up a few guys who didn't have it coming. <laughs> Yeah, he he went and beat up he, he went and beat up a guy that was he clubbed that last guy who had nothing to do with it. He just grabbed him and started beating the shit out of him. Oh man! Oh man! I know we laughed about is, it, but I, I'd actually be for it. Really? I mean, well, with, you, after reading that comment, I'm sort of kind of. I mean, I started it as a joke too, but I'm sort of kind of leaning towards maybe that ain't a bad move. And like I you mean, said, you, you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere, and you got to, and that's the right attitude. Who knows? I mean, he played the game. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good coach, but, no, I mean, but I'm not going to say he was a pretty good player. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a great defensive the players player. Too. Hey, you better be here bringing it or I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, you know what? I believe him. Yeah, I mean, as a player, if, if, if Meta World Peace gets in your grill and tells you how it's going to be, I don't think you got any choice but to take it seriously. No, not at all. Got to take it seriously. All right. Um, before we move on with more NBA news, we want to take a second and uh, – Give a shout-out to one of our great sponsors, the great people at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They've been doing some great stuff over on their website. Check them out on Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All kinds of Black Friday Funko Pop deals were up. If you missed it, your fault, not mine. I tried to tell you. But go check them out. they got some great holiday items. You're not going to want to miss it. Again, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Let's hear some more from them. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, thanks to the good people at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All right. Let's talk about it now. Carmelo Anthony, back in Portland. He's had some time. Apparently was named Western Conference Player of the Week. And they picked up the option on his contract. Apparently, he says this is not a retirement tour. So, Carmelo Anthony back in the NBA, and uh, he's got a guaranteed contract now. What do you guys thoughts on Melo coming back in Portland? How's he look so far? Well, he won player of the week. Um, and from what I understand, there's a couple players that were kind of thinking they should have won after 60-point performances. James Harden, I believe, or somebody oh, else. That, screw that free throw shooting. Um, you know what's really odd though is the Blazers <laughs> were what a top four or five seed last year, and right now yeah. they are twelfth. Is that the Mellow well, effect? <laughs> well, I'll, now I'm going to defend Mellow here. Uh, they were real. They were bad before Mellow got there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's going on with them. Yeah. There's something he... going on. I don't know how he. I like him. I've always liked him. I liked him when he was with the Knicks. But he's done statistically. He's done well. I don't know whether he's really helping them or not because I haven't really seen Portland play. But sixteen point seven a game don't sound that bad for a guy we thought was washed up. Oh, he can score. I never said he couldn't score. My well, thing with him. My thing with Melo was always. Yeah, he can score, but is he a uh, is his defense worth him scoring? Like he can score all day, but he if you're scoring, you know, 18 points a game and giving up 24 points per game, that's not really uh, you're not helping matters too much. Yeah, 
What's his plus minus? I would actually have to look. So I'd say it's. I mean, it's a typical. If it's typical him, it's going to be in the native. Do you think the uh, Trailblazers did this as a publicity stunt, or do you think they actually feel like he can? I think they did it as a. You know, why not? <laughs> I mean, if you look at what the team was doing without him, he couldn't hurt. I mean, that's just how I look at it. Um, can't hurt. I mean, he hasn't – tonight he hasn't played that much. He only has nine points, but he's a plus three. And they're, they're – but they're not winning, so for whatever that's worth. They're losing a the game, but to the Thunder, no less. Um, yeah, I was trying to find his uh, season plus minus here. That, that's that's a tough one to find if you can uh, – got to really go searching for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, not doing bad in terms of points per game. So I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, yay or nay on him yet. So first team all-star, Nate, first team all-star. Jesus. Well, who knows these days? I mean, he's not the mellow of, of yesteryear. Clearly, like he's not going to put up 28 points per game or anywhere close to that. But I mean, He's already, you know, if he can if he can get up to about twenty points per game, which he has the ability to do, I think still, like you got to remember, this is a guy who he didn't play a lot last year. Like he's already, he's one game, one to three game, two games away from actually like playing what he played last year. So this is a guy who can who can come in and do it. It's just a matter of uh, you know what's going on. He is um, okay. He's played nine games this season. Uh, I got to do the math quick. Uh, minus twenty-one, it's minus nineteen, even plus thirty-seven, uh, plus twenty-three, plus thirty-eight. He's plus nineteen for the season. Wow! Wow! It's not That's bad. Good. He's had some good games. He's had a, he's had a minus twenty and a minus twenty-one. But then now, if you can average that, then if you can average yeah, plus, you're doing good. He's had three three big minus games and three big plus games, and then he's kind of been around the you know the other games. He was plus four or five, that kind of thing. Oh, he's not doing too bad. All right, all right. Time out on Mello. Something really hilarious just came across my my Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> Oh, I actually love I love this. This is fan fucking tastic. Uh, <laughs> the the Oklahoma City Thunder gave the Oklahoma or the the Brass gave the Oklahoma City Thunder two delay of games and ended up penalizing them <laughs> with a technical. <laughs> oh good lord. And Chris Paul yelled at him saying they're trying to prove a point and they're about to be on the wow. court center. We you probably know are. Paul, Chris Paul, fuck you. How about that? Yeah, he's probably not wrong in that. That's, that's probably oh, not Oh, that's funny. All right, anyway, back to Carmelo Anthony. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Melo's, Melo's had a pretty good season so far. You know, only time will tell. He's He's 35 years old, so he's getting up there. In terms of basketball, he's 35 is not old, but for a basketball player that's been playing for as long as he has, that's a lot of a lot of miles on his legs. 
But he says this is no farewell tour. Um, he well, plans they on may, sticking around. They may have to keep him because uh, didn't they just lose one of their better players got hurt just the other night? Right? Well, that's uh, another piece of news I was going to get into. Rodney Hood, torn ACL, or excuse me, torn Achilles. Yeah, he is done worse. for the year. Yeah, done. That's And that's one of those ones where you can never be 100% sure what you're going to be when you come back. You can recover from it, but the old Achilles is a nasty one. Most NBA players never recover from the Achilles injury. That's a, I'm not going to say a career ender, but it's a career effector. I know um, Boogie Cousins really hasn't recovered from it yet. No, because it's, you can't, uh, you can't cut and all that stuff like you once did. Yeah. Because it just, it just isn't there. So, no, it's not. And anybody that's ever hurt their Achilles, they they can attest to that. So, but yeah, Hood done for the year. He's out. Um, more injury news. Steph Curry has had a second surgery on a broken left hand just to remove the pins. He's still on track to be reevaluated in February. And if Curry Curry's been talking like he wants to come back and play February on. Uh, they're nuts if they do that. I, I don't opinion, see it. But. Jeff, what do you think? Do you think Curry should come back and play half a season, or do you think he should just sit out the rest of the year? I think he needs to do what LeBron did last year. Sit out. Just sit down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like I said, we've, we've had this discussion before. He's played a lot of basketball. Uh, his body's taken a pretty good whack, and he ain't the biggest guy in the world. That's another injury where if you come out too fast, all it takes is if that's not fully healed, all it takes is one whack when you're right back where you started and they can't afford to have that happen. So if I own that team, he doesn't see the court. I don't care if he likes it or not. I think he spoke, he's been really vocal about playing the Olympics too. So he is um, like, that was another thing. He definitely wants, uh, okay. But is that maybe, is that that maybe a better place for him to come back at? I mean, yeah. I mean, as far as I, potential for for injury, they don't. They're probably not going to need him to. I mean, it isn't the pressure of a NBA. Obviously, he no. can play a couple. Of, he can play a couple of games against lesser countries and see how it goes. And if it, you know, if he's got some issues, well, then you disgracefully step aside and. I, yeah, I don't know. I said if I own the Golden State Warriors, he, there's just no way he sees the court. It's just not happening. Yeah, I wouldn't either. That would be uh, that would be something I'd be like, nah, you're good, dude. Have a seat. I, um, I got way too much money and stuff invested in your health. I can't risk you getting hurt for a, in a season that's gonna was well over by the time he comes back. As far yeah, as I very agree. concerned anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. All right. Let's let's look at some some other news here. From as we bounce around the league here, I got a question for you guys. Who's your all's biggest surprise of the first quarter? And who's your probably I guess biggest disappointment as well? Okay. Um, Tim, you want me to go first, or you want to go first? Uh, well, team wise, 
probably Toronto. Um, thought they'd be okay, but not maybe as good as they have been so far. Uh, disappointment. Uh, hmm. I always want to say Minnesota Timberwolves, but that's kind of a given. Um, uh, you know what? Stick. Yeah, you love me. Um, maybe Utah, maybe. They've been as good as I thought. Still in the playoffs, but. Yeah, I, I can see those. Um, Toronto's a good one, but, uh, I mean, they're still, I don't know. I mean, would, Biggest, you go with, would you go with Milwaukee that maybe we knew they were going to be good, but we didn't think they were going to be that good? Well, they've won 14 straight, so I don't know. Actually, I'm going to go with my biggest surprise as being the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they have been fantastic. I didn't think yeah. that they – I thought they would be good in battle for an eight seed. I didn't think they would be as good as they have been. Like, they're right now – they're 16-7 and seven as we speak right now. And I tell you what, Luka Doncic is making it known that he is no uh, weight like to, in terms he'd of... He'd like to get that uh, MVP award he's looking at right now. Yeah. I he mean, he's averaging good. 30 points per game, nine rebounds, and nine assists, um, which yeah. is just insane. You know who else has been really good, and it pains me to admit that I didn't think they'd be as good as they are either, is the Lakers. I knew they'd be better, but I didn't think they'd be this good. Twenty and three. I mean, it's a solid team there. But biggest disappointment. You know, we talked about Portland Western Conference Finals to where they're at now. But you know, uh, you could be disappointed in a lot of teams this year. Phoenix hasn't been another big surprise uh, for a lot of people. But I actually saw Phoenix being better than last year. I'm going to go with my biggest disappointment is so far the San Antonio Spurs. 9 and 14. This is like the longest they've been under 500 in uh forever. Like it's it's ridiculous. Somebody mm-hmm. threw out a statistic um not too long ago that when they went under 500 that combined for the last um I think 20 years the Spurs had been under 500 for a total of 66 days for 20 years under Greg well, Popovich. What- would you argue that their best player is a player that another team who just won a championship didn't want? Maybe. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is probably still, to me, their best player. But something about them, and they're really not getting it done. And that's becoming an issue with them. It's just that team seems like they are not cohesive. They're not together there's some problems going on. Lonnie Walker's finally starting to to play better. Um, you know, he, against Houston in that overtime win, uh, he had 28, but then he bounces back against Sacramento and only has two. So, got to get some consistency out of him. DeJounte Murray has been really disappointing. Don't know if he's 100%. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of pieces that Popovich has made work, but – it's just not working this year. I mean, Derek White is, is kind of whatever. Patty Mills, eh. Rudy Gay's is numbers the, are down. Uh, He's only averaging 11. Is the Popovich era maybe finally over there? 
I don't think so. I, I just I don't know. Damari Carroll is only averaging two and a half points per game. Like that's just sad numbers for Damari Carroll. I'm thinking it just might be the chemistry with these players. It just doesn't seem like they are really bringing it. It's hard for me to say Greg Popovich. The era. I don't is necessarily. Over. I don't necessarily mean that it's on him that he's lost it. But maybe he's lost them. Maybe those players have finally just had enough of that. Possibility. I mean, absolutely possibility. Because it, it is tough to. I mean, to take that day in and day out can't can't be easy. Yeah, and, I mean, and, I agree with you. And definitely not uh, much more difficult when you're not winning. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Jeff? What about your disappointments? Uh, I would say as we, I'm. Really, Really surprised the Blazers are where they're at. I think they're like 12th in the Western Conference, if I'm not mistaken, 11th or 12th. And uh, I mean, I thought they might digress a little bit, but not be outside the top eight. And uh, so for me, it's I guess it's probably been them. Uh, as you touched on the Mavs being uh, one of the surprises, uh, get Porzingis there, then Doncic. I think they're even though they lost tonight, I think to the Kings. Um, so far in the West, they've been, in my eyes, they've been the, I think they're third or fourth, and uh, in the East, I'm getting, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of surprised by the Heat. Uh, I think they're third right now. I know you don't like Jimmy Butler, Nathan, but uh, he's a bastard. Uh, I think they're 17 and six, and uh, the Nets have won three in a row with some misfits. I think they're 13 and 10, and and the Magic have won four in a row. So there's a few kind of surprises. Um, even though the Magic, or I think either Magic or Nets play the Bucks tomorrow, so we'll see how good they'll see how good they really are. But uh, anyways, those I guess those are my. I'm surprised, but my third well, in the East right now. Would you argue by looking at the standings anyway that there's probably what four teams in the East that are already probably out of it: Washington, Atlanta, Cleveland, and New York. And in the West, that there's probably three teams that are out of it: uh, Memphis, New Orleans, and Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can yeah. see that. By by, I'm going purely by record. The other teams haven't. I mean, uh, in the West, Phoenix is in eighth place. They're ten and twelve. Then you've got uh, four more teams that are a game behind them. So that's not, you know, that's probably going to change. Uh, in the East, you got Orlando's in eighth at eleven and eleven. You got uh, Detroit's nine and fourteen. Charlotte's nine and sixteen. Chicago's eight and sixteen. They're and then you're down to you know now you got teams that are already four, six, seven, eight games behind already eighth place. They're probably not going to get there unless something real crazy goes on. There's a possibility. A um, couple more news and notes I did want to look at here. Uh, give me a second to get my notes pulled up. Um, Alfaruk Aminu suffered a torn meniscus in his right knee. He's out indefinitely. We'll be talking to our guy, Philip Rossman Reich, about that. Uh, he'll be on here a little later to discuss the magic. Um, so we'll we'll take a look there. All right, uh, this is something i got to bring up here. This is, this is ridiculous. Um... Ben Simmons has made another three-pointer. And uh, 
The parade route has been planned. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the love of God, okay, he made he's made two three pointers in his career. How a friggin' luya, go Ben. I mean, dear God, are we gonna th- are we just gonna stop everything we're doing and celebrate this well, guy well, making Brent a three every time? He want he's he said today or yesterday that he wanted him to at least, at least shoot one three a game. Oh, one well, hole three. I think the uh, NBA Players Association is going to have to step in because that's an outrageous demand from a head coach. Yes, I, I, do, I don't understand how we can be asking a player to shoot one whole three point shot a game. That's <laughs> I guess he did. He didn't really ask him. He he said he would like him to do it. <laughs> it doesn't mean he. I you know I think I think something needs to be done. I think Derek Fisher should be called. Um, I think we're going to have to get Adam Silver and a committee to look at Brett well, Brown's coaching um, style. He is demanding too much of a number one overall uh, pick. He didn't try one tonight. Yeah, they weren't up forty. They, yeah, but he. But I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, we had this discussion off air too. I mean, so big whoop. He shoots a, a three against Cleveland when they're winning by forty points. What pressure. Let's see you throw one up when it when it matters. Like, just I don't understand why he doesn't do it anyway. There's, it, it makes no sense, as we've discussed before. He should at least the threat should be there that he might do it, just so somebody might think about covering him when he's behind the arc. But you almost know he's not going to shoot it. It's he's got to be the only point guard in history who doesn't take three point shots. Ricky Rubio. <laughs> okay, well, he, he doesn't. Ma- shoot, he would not he shoot took, a three. He had to have. I'll, on I'll it. bet you he took a lot more attempts than Ben Simmons has ever dreamed of. Now, nah, yes, he has. I'll agree. I won't argue that. And I don't. Was Ricky Rubio ever getting the uh, league max in salary? God no. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I rest my. The defense rests. A guy who's getting paid what Ben Simmons is getting paid should be able to do everything, at least fairly well. I, I can't believe that he – it's a mystery to me how why he can't do it. I mean – Shaq shot it, some threes for crying out loud. Not very <laughs> many, but he did it. <laughs> It's a, one of those mysteries of life, I think you can say. If okay, what, but if I if I told you, okay, Nate, I'm going to take one of the best, uh, highest paid. He was an all star, was he not? Oh yeah. Okay, I'm going to take one of the highest paid all star point guards, and I'm going to bet you that a center the size of Shaquille O'Neal would have shot more three pointers in his career. You would laugh and you would take that bet every time until Ben Simmons came along. Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right, truthfully. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing in a way that he can't do it. I mean, I would I would rather that he I mean, I don't even mind that much if he misses. Just that there's the threat that he might do it. But he he doesn't even try. Jesus, Markel Fultz has shot more threes, I think. Yeah, and that was after his. Uh, that's after he couldn't lift his arms. He's a real, I mean, that, a real hero, a real patriot. I mean, I mean, it's just weird. 
and then the fact, like you said, that they celebrate the fact that he does something that is not worthy of celebrating. See what you've called into here, Jeff. This is the crankiest wide man can't jump of all time. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it is true. I, I've had a bad week, and it's 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 coming out. Uh, trust me. But well, you better perk good. up. You better perk up because to. we're about to be joined here by our wonderful guest. So you need to perk up. So, yeah. uh, all right, joining us right now, the man, the myth, the legend himself. All the way from Orlando, from Orlando Magic Daily, our man, the host of the Locked On Magic podcast, Philip Rossman Reich, a wide men can't jump legend. What's up, Phil? Man, legend. That that that. I don't feel like I deserve that kind of an honor. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Okay, that's that's what I know. You you you'll get <laughs> legend, and you'll like it. That's right. Okay, I'll, I, I I humbly accept this honor. <laughs> if there was if there was a Hall of Fame for wide men can't jump, Phil, you would be one that's of our a, first inductees. That's a fact. Absolutely. But let's go ahead and and start talking about it here. The Orlando Magic. Let's hear first. I want to ask about the. Um, I want to ask you about Al Farouk Aminu. Saw the injury. Any news, any updates, what's going on with Aminu right now? There hasn't been a firm update on, on what he's, he's planning to do. I think a few days after they announced the injury, he said that the knee was feeling a little bit better. And so it, it kind of sounds like they aren't going to go the surgery route with him. And, and so, you know, obviously that's good news. That, you know, I think in some ways it'll, it'll, it means that the injury is not as serious or doesn't need that much cleaning up and it's something that can heal on its own. Um, but at this point, he's still out indefinitely, and, and you know the team's dealt with a lot of injuries early on this season. They're going to have to just continue to soldier on without him. Yeah, they're sitting at the eight seed right now at five hundred, eleven and eleven. Um, Aminu going down is definitely uh, a loss that I'm not going to say they can ill afford, but that's going to hurt for real. Who who's going to step up? and maybe play those minutes that Aminu was getting? Are we going to see maybe some Jonathan Isaac at the three? Or are they going to substitute maybe more Terrence Ross? Like, who are we going to see more of in Aminu's absence here? It's It's been a lot of shifting, for sure. And, and the Magic, Magic, of course, are dealing with, with other injuries to some key players. Um, they, they have Nikola Vucevic, who's, who's still out with the sprained ankle. And so they're, they're still kind of mixing and matching lineups. I think we've seen Jonathan Isaac's minutes come up a little bit to fill in some of those those minutes that Aminu would have played, obviously they, they love Isaac's length. And I think the reason they signed Aminu was to kind of keep that length and versatility on the floor. So without him, obviously they want to kind of trend toward that route. Um, early on, they tried Wessa Wundu in that spot. Um, but uh, really since Michael Carter-Williams came back, they, they've been willing to go a little bit smaller and, and have Carter-Williams play the, the one or the two, depending on who, who, who you care for, alongside DJ Augustine and Markel Fultz. Um, and then have Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross platoon at the three with Isaac or Gordon at the four at all times. And so the Magic are still kind of mixing and matching lineups, um, but they, 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 de- they definitely have some guys that they really like, and, and they're, they're finding a way to kind of fill in, fill in that depth that they're missing with the meaning out of the lineup. Tim, you got any questions for Phil? Okay, we got uh, – well, sure, of course I do. Um, four games in a row. Um, admittedly, though, maybe not against the toughest of competition. But wins are wins. We'll take them. Uh, they got Milwaukee up next. 
Um, is this going to be a game where we probably aren't going to, they're probably not going to win, but is it going to be some kind of a test to see where they're really at? I mean, this whole week feels like it's going to be a test to see where the team is, is really at. I mean, they, they've obviously been playing without Nikola Vucevic now for about a week, two weeks. And so they're, they're starting to find their footing and they're starting to kind of figure out the way that they need to play. But, but obviously they've feasted on a lot of really bad opponents. So I think they're now 10 and two against teams with sub 500 records with their losses being at Detroit and at Oklahoma city. So, you know, not terrible teams to lose to, but, but their team, I mean, but still the magic have not picked up a lot of wins against teams that are above 500. Their only win. In fact, they only have one win against a team that's above 500. And that is against the Philadelphia 76ers at home with Joel Embiid sitting out. So Orlando's resume, you know, if we're going strength of schedule or, or, you know, playing the NCAA tournament game, the Magic's resume doesn't look good. This is a big week for Orlando because, A, they're heading into a West Coast road trip coming up next week, which will also be very difficult. But this week they get at Milwaukee, they host the Lakers on Wednesday, and then they host the Rockets on Friday. Those are all three of the very best teams in the NBA. The Magic want to stay at 500. They certainly want to stay in, con- in contact of 500 especially before they go out west. They don't want to fall too far behind. And, you know, the east is going to be a little bit forgiving. I don't think they'll fall too, fall out of their, eight, their perch in the eighth spot in the east. But the Magic need to start stringing together wins against quality opponents. And this is a big week to do that. Um, you know, against the Milwaukee Bucks earlier this year, they got beat. It was one of their worst defeats of the year, one of the few blowout losses that they faced all season, really. And the Bucks just really housed them. But in that game – they actually did a decent job on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I know he still had 29 points, I think, but he also had seven turnovers in that game. So it's going to be really interesting Monday to watch how Jonathan Isaac defends Giannis Antetokounmpo or how Aaron Gordon defends Giannis Antetokounmpo. They both have been able to get their kind of shots on him, so to speak. As long as the Magic don't turn the ball over and sit and uh, prevent transition points, you know, this might be a game. But also the Bucks are really, really good. So I think, I think Orlando's you know, going, to, going to hope for the best, but we'll see what happens. So would you say then that they would probably be happy if they get one of three and as long as they can keep the gap between them and Detroit and Charlotte, they'll take that as a victory? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and, and I would say if, as long as they can get one of three and all three games are competitive, um, you know, I don't think they want to get blown out in any of these games. They, they want to show that they can you know, even without Nikola Vucevic, who's obviously such a big part of this team, that they can compete and play with these elite teams. And, you know, that maybe they're just, you know, one little thing away from getting to that level, from getting uh, to being constantly on that level and something that they can grow into. And, you know, obviously they got a a difficult road trip coming up, uh, going out west, but uh, something that they can build toward on that road trip and and kind of grow into as they hit the kind of the meat of their schedule, which they're certainly in the middle of now. Um, Really, the Magic just got to find a way to scratch out wins until Vucevic comes back. I think they're hoping that he'll be back around Christmas. But really, this whole this whole part of the schedule has been just survive, stay in touch with the playoff race, which they certainly have done probably better than I think a lot of people expected, uh, and then build and grow once Vucevic returns. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, they lose in Oklahoma City. Probably somebody had their jersey untucked. Uh, but they <laughs> – these, these losses – yeah, I'm taking cheap shots. Get over it. Uh, but I want to bring up Mobamba. I've been just incredibly disappointed with Mobamba this season. Um, he's really not lived up to what I expected of him so far in his NBA career. Is he still dealing with maybe some sort of injury? Like, what's what's going on with Mobamba, and, and why are 
why is his numbers down? I saw he had a, a nice double-double, but he's really just not performed as well as I had hoped he would. Yeah, and I, mean, I think that's fair to say. I mean, Mo has definitely struggled adjusting to the NBA game uh, a lot more than I think a lot of people expected him to. I mean, he's obviously a prodigious talent, uh, and, and he's got a lot of offensive game. But honestly, I just think his body just isn't NBA ready yet. I mean, he had a good summer. He had a good summer and put on a lot of weight, but it's still he's still able to get pushed around. And, and honestly, I think early in the season, especially he was just out there thinking a little bit too much. You can kind of see him trying to process information instead of reacting. And, you know, I, I, I you know, you mentioned that Bamba's numbers were down and, and they certainly were, and he's definitely struggling, but it's, you know, there's struggles that a young player has to go through, I think to succeed ultimately in this league, but you start flipping the page over when, when Vucevic went out, Bamba kind of, snap to attention a little bit you know there's obviously some opportunity for some more minutes and some more opportunity the magic lifted some of his minutes restrictions he's still on a little bit of a minutes restriction because of the injury that he suffered last year to his leg um but that some of the some of that minutes restriction got lifted by necessity and he was able to play with a little bit more freedom and you're starting to see him impact the game defensively a lot more I mean, he's still averaging i think one and a half nearly two blocks per game um he's starting to to react a lot more on the court and be in the right spots defensively. So, well, I think his numbers aren't quite where people want them to be. And and he's still a project that's going to take a, another year or two to really come to fruition, I think, because big men just take a little bit longer to learn this league than some of the guards do. You're starting to see subtle signs that he's taking steps in the right direction. You know, I would say maybe this isn't the season everyone hoped it would be for Mo Bamba. You know, certainly, you know, hasn't maybe taken the full backup center role from Ken Birch when Vucevic returns. You know, maybe Birch is still the better option, uh, you know, when they're actually trying to win games later in the year. But the Magic are more than willing to be patient with Bamba, it seems like. And, and I, I've honestly seen some very positive signs from him, especially in these last six or seven games, that shows that, that he's starting to figure things out. And it's just going to be, you know, little by little getting better and better each day. And, and you just hope by the end of the season that he can own that backup center position. Tim, you had another question? Yeah, let's uh, talk about a guy who we used to really give a really hard time, but I'm really glad that he's getting somewhere. Let's talk about Markel Fultz. How has he been? Is he? You just don't really seem to hear anything about it, and to me it seems like it's a fairly big story that this guy has managed to get back on the court and produce something. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I think you know, at least when you hear from the national media, I know Zach Lowe pointed, pointed him out in his 10 Things I Like column. I know there's a big write-up on him in The Athletic. Um, he just looks like a competent NBA player again, which I think is, uh, you know, obviously a really good sign for him. But, you know, if, if you watch him every, every game, you do see hints of what he was at Washington and why he was the first pick in the draft. Um, he's got a really good ability to change pace as a point guard, which is obviously such a huge thing. Um, he's really good at, you know, kind of like Rajon Rondo was, using the space that defense gives him. Defenses lay off him and want him to shoot, but he still finds a way to get into the lane. And, and the Magic just haven't had a guy who can get into the lane and, and to the rim quite like Markel Fultz can. Um, you know, sometimes you want him to be more assertive, and there's certainly, I think, you know, at least among Magic fans, a little bit of restlessness to, like, turn turn the offense more over to him and let him kind of run things the way he's going to run things. Because typically, when he has the ball, good things happen. I think the Magic have, like, a plus 9.1 net rating, so they're, they're nine, nine points per 100 possessions better with Fultz on the floor than when, when he's off the floor, which is 
or, or they're, they're not, I'm sorry, they're, they're nine points per round of possessions better when he's on the floor over their opponent. Um, so he's, you know, he's still making like rookie level mistakes though. So, you know, no one's, no one's anointing him an all-star quite yet. Um, but the fact that he can kind of start having a true rookie season, essentially. Um, and he's certainly a little more advanced than rookie because he's played a lot in the NBA. He's played at least a little bit in the NBA before this season, but the fact that he can have sort of a true rookie season, he has earned the starting point guard job on this team. He is, he was clearly better than DJ Augustine and clearly makes a bigger impact than DJ Augustine was. Um, once, once the magic kind of take all the shackles off him as far as managing his injury and just kind of keeping an eye on him, you know, it still feels like the sky's the limit for this kid. Um, he's still got to get more confident with the shot. Um, he's shooting mid range jumpers actually almost as well as anyone in the league. I think he's shooting 51, 52% on mid range jumpers, which is, you know, pretty, pretty high number and a number that makes shooting that mid range jumper worth it. So all that player is still in there. This year has just been about get him out there, get him playing, get him, you know, enjoying and having fun on the court. Next summer will be about let's develop some skills. Let's, let's get him better as a basketball player. Obviously, things are looking very, very up for Marco Foles right now. So uh, a parade when he hits his third three and passes Ben Simmons? Um, you know, I, I, I think he's hit three threes already. I, 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 I was being extremely sarcastic, sir. <laughs> I'm quite sure he has. But, you know, like, but like, you know and, and this, is, this is the thing with Markel Fultz that I think has been most impressive. He's willing to take that shot. Um, you know, it, teams are leaving him open, and he will take the shot. I mean, he may miss it, but he's going to take the shot, and he, and he rarely hesitates. He still may have a few possessions where he hesitates on that shot, but, you know, I, I think such a big thing for players like him is having the willingness to take that shot and, and frankly, sometimes having the willingness to fail. Just to, it, it keeps the defense honest, that knowing that you will take that shot and you will take it confidently even um, is such a huge thing, especially for a player like him who, who needs, to, needs to drive the lane and, and get players to close out on him sometimes at the three-point line. Well, I'm I'm glad that he's doing well because I for I kind of thought he was finished and that he was never going to get his the mental part back, but I'm I'm glad to see that he's succeeding. That's good. I think uh a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's in a uh, a smaller um a smaller what's the word I'm looking for? market, a smaller market. I think that's actually helped him a little bit getting him out of the you know, the big time in Philadelphia where he, you know, kind of looked at all the time by the media and and everybody wants to know, like, you heard all these things about Markel Fultz. Then he gets traded to Orlando, and then it seems like, oh, okay, he's there now, and uh, national media is not all over him, hounding him. Um, some guys just thrive better in smaller environments and small markets. Do you think that could be the case here, Phil? I definitely do think that that's part of the case. You know, I think, I think in Philadelphia, you know, you know, for, for better or for worse, and, and probably, you know, both, both sides are to blame. I think there's just a mistrust between both the Sixers and Fultz with how things were handled. The, the injury kind of developed while he was in Philadelphia. And, and you know, I, I think you do hear this story, and I, I don't think it's exclusive to Philadelphia. I can probably point to some times in Orlando where, where something has happened, where there's just a disconnect between the team and the player with, with what was going on with their bodies. Um, it, I think there's just a disconnect between what the injury was, what Fultz was going through, and, and how, how the Sixers tried to treat it. And then again, it, it's, again, there's probably blame to go on both sides for how it was ultimately handled. Um, but I think just the winning pressure in Philadelphia. I mean, Markel Fultz was the answer to the process. He was the number one pick that the Sixers as a franchise gave a lot up for. That is a very demanding fan base. Not only was that a demanding fan base, Fultz's rookie year 
the Sixers were expected to make the playoffs, not just make the playoffs, get out of the first round and advance far into the playoffs. And, and the fact that Fultz couldn't deliver on that promise, it, it's very easy for him to become the scapegoat, you know, organizationally as well as with the fans. You come to a team like Orlando, and there's still some winning pressure. Don't, don't get me wrong. Orlando wants to win. They want to make the playoffs. But they're not, in it, they're not championship ready yet. They're, they're, there's the opportunity for Fultz to make mistakes and, and still get playing time. And, and Philadelphia, you know, with the injury that he had, you know, he was already behind the eight ball. And then, you know, you're in a, you're in a pressure-packed situation where if you make a mistake, it costs you a game that could cost you home court advantage. That could cost you, you know, the, the number one seed. That could cost you a, a playoff game at the end of the day. And, and in Orlando, that's, this team doesn't have that kind of pressure yet. I mean, they're, yes, they're trying to win games. Yes, every game matters. Yes, they're trying to make the playoffs. But, you know, if he makes a mistake in the first round of the playoffs and they happen to lose game three, yeah, it's tough. But that's a learning experience for him for next year, not a, not a you cost us a championship type of experience. And, and I, I do think that that matters. And frankly, Magic fans have been very excited about him from the very beginning. They've embraced him. Um, you know, there's really been nothing but love, I think, from this fan base, fan base to this point. And that obviously can change very, very quickly. It changes all the time with some of the players that are already on the roster with how fans feel about them. So um, it, it, it's definitely been an embrace of Fultz. Um, he, he certainly feels like the organization has been behind him and what his people are saying about the injury and listening to him about what his body's, body's doing. And I think that trust has gone a long way for this team. Aaron Gordon, averaging 13 points per game, almost 14. This just kind of seems to be status quo for Aaron Gordon at this point um, in his career. Orlando's paying him a lot of money to stay there and play. Is Aaron Gordon worth that max contract so far? Um, it's definitely been a struggle. You know, I think they, they paid Aaron Gordon for what he would become. And, and I think – when you look at the magic and the struggles that they've had this year, because, you know, they're 11 and 11, and I think a lot of people did have them ultimately finishing the 500, but it's, it's been a struggle to get to that mark, and I think a lot of people expected the magic to make the leap. And, and if they were going to make the leap in the standings, to me, that meant Aaron Gordon was going to make a leap in his offensive game and a leap in his consistency. And this year, for whatever reason, and it might be related to an injury he suffered in the preseason that kind of was a setback for him, it might just be he's – Trying a bit, trying to do a bit too much to kind of force that, force that part of himself out. Um, he just hasn't lived up to what was expected of him in the progress that that he was expected to make. Um, he's still been a great defensive player. I, I personally think he's the, and this is saying a lot because Jonathan Isaac's on the team. I still think he's the best individual defender on the team. He's one-on-one defender. I think he does a great job containing the ball and really making some of the best players in the league work really hard. I mean, I think we'll see him get a turn on James Harden. We'll certainly see him defend LeBron James. And, you know, I have every confidence that he can slow those guys down as much as possible. You're not, you're not going to stop those guys, but you can slow them down a little bit. Um, I, I have every confidence in him on that end of the floor, but his shot selection has still been a little bit off. He tends to kind of go into to wild ISO moments and, and that's just really not his game. And Orlando struggled to kind of get to kind of turn their defense into offensive opportunities, especially in transition where Gordon can really succeed. I mean, we saw him have a big game earlier this week uh, against the Suns where he just, he just tore it up and it was because he was getting a lot of shots off cuts. He was making quick decisions. He was getting out in transition. And, and when he doesn't do that, he tends to bog down the offense, and, and that's been a big part of the struggle for him. And Orlando needs a lot from that spot and that salary spot especially. You know, it won't surprise me if come February you're starting to hear trade rumors involving Aaron Gordon because the Magic, the Magic need to improve a lot, and, and he's kind of the guy that they can move. 
Evan Fournier is a guy who, if you're a fantasy basketball player, you know who he is. But if you're just a casual NBA watcher, you're probably sitting there going, Evan Fournier, huh? You need to know this guy. This guy's legit. He's been doing it for years. He's not a flash in the pan. He's become really, outside of Vucevic, maybe the second best player on the Mavs. What does Evan Fournier mean to this Mavs team? He's such a valuable talent, and he can do so much in terms of scoring the ball for this Mavs team, and I know they rely on him a lot. What exactly does Evan Fournier do for this Mavericks team, Maverick, excuse me, Magic team? Um, especially, you know, when you look at that deal they have him on, you know, he re-signed in um, July of 2016 on a five-year, $85 million contract. You know, that contract is going to be nearing its end here. He's got the player option next year. He could opt out and maybe want more money. Is he worth more than $17 million a year? That's that's going to be the big question. I mean, he's he's certainly been kind of a model of consistency for this team for a long time. And, and frankly, this Magic team doesn't have a lot of shooting. Their biggest weakness is they don't have a lot of four spacers and guys who can hit three-point shots. Evan Fournier is, you know, I think pretty inarguably their best three-point shooter. He is their best option from beyond the arc. He's also one of their best options in pick and rolls. He's, he's done a really good job reading pick and rolls. And, you know, last year he had, you know, last year was a struggle for him. You know, I think he was really happy with, with how the team played, obviously. And, and I think he showed a lot of growth as a playmaker and as a defender last year. But last year was his worst shooting career, worst shooting year since he joined the Magic and, and really since his rookie year in Denver. Um, and, and it was really baffling because he was someone that they could rely on for three-point shooting. So he's come back just a, a very – different more focused player i mean there there are some some some, some rumors that that he might have had an, had an undisclosed injury um, he had some personal issues that he was dealing with as, as, as his wife um gave birth to their to their first son um and, you know that may have taken his his mind a little bit off the court but um really if you added in his shooting you know his kind of regular shooting that he would the magic would have been a much more potent offensive team and obviously this year he came back after being on the all world cup team at the, at the FIBA world cup uh, he was instrumental in the France defeating the United States in, in the quarterfinals and then eventually winning the bronze medal. Um, the bronze medal that he gave away, by the way, because he wanted the gold. He didn't, he didn't care for the bronze. He already had one, he said. Um, but he came back and, and wow. kept kind of the same mentality. He's been, he's been a rock for this Magic team. They, they, they're, they're one of the worst offense. They were one of the worst offensive teams in the league for much of the, this first quarter of the season. The last four or five games, they've kind of risen up to 24th. So they're obviously struggling offensively. But Fournier's been a guy who they can count on every single night to get them a basket, to get them a three-pointer, to work a pick-and-roll, to really score off the dribble, which is kind of a, a new thing for him, that, that he's scoring a lot more off the dribble and off step-backs. And he reads defenses really well. And when he's kind of in the zone uh, and, and, and keeping the ball moving and, and, and searching for a shot, he's, he's a really potent offensive player. I mean, is he going to do it every night? Is he you know, going to do it against the elite defenders? I think that's the big question. I mean, we saw Toronto kind of slow him down a little bit with blitzes and blitzes and traps off screen. So, you know, he's still got to kind of trust the pass a little bit more and, and keep the ball moving a little bit more. But without Nikola Vucevic, the Magic needed Evan Fournier to step up. And, and he's just, you know, he's playing at an all-star level since Vucevic got hurt. And that's a big reason why the Magic are 500 today. Well, Phil, we can't have you on the show without bringing up professional wrestling. Can't be done. It's not allowed. It's in the bylaws. Uh, so we got we to gotta bring up a little bit of wrestling here with you. What are you watching? What are you following? There's enough wrestling on TV nowadays to where 
you could pretty much watch that and nothing else and probably still miss something. Um, any thoughts on what's <laughs> going on with pro wrestling nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of picking and choosing what I watch each week. You know, so, you know, some weeks I'll, I'll watch Raw, some weeks some weeks I'll watch Dynamite, some weeks I'll watch I'll make a point to watch SmackDown. It, it's really I, I work evenings, so I, I kind of get can get the lay of the land. Was was this a good episode of Raw? Is this worth checking out? Um, but I find myself watching Dynamite almost every week. I mean, I, I feel like that show is incredibly refreshing. Um, there there is a little bit of you know devil may care with them that they're that they're you know willing to willing they know what's going on in the real world. They they're not too kind of involved in in, in their own kayfabe, so to speak. Um, and, and and the matches you know just they, they have this this energy to them. Um, there's just so much excitement. It feels like it feels like every event is a pay-per-view event, which I don't know if they can maintain. I don't think they are maintaining quite that level that they had when when they first started. But um, it, 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 every every event for them still feels big, and and I, and I feel like they're employing their 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 wrestlers really really well and telling good stories. And it, it's just such a different feel after getting so used to the WWE style. Um, you know, it, I, I feel like AEW's hit a lot of a lot of marks. I, I went to Fighter Fest in Daytona in, in June and just had an absolute blast at that show. It's probably probably the best wrestling show that, that that I've been to. Just having having a good time. And you know, obviously, I think we're still learning who a lot of their characters are and who a lot of their people are. But um, it's been you can tell that that their their guys are having a lot of fun and they're really behind what they're doing. And and you know, I don't think that's always the case with WWE. I, mean, I think there's a lot of stuff with WWE that that misses the mark. Really, the only thing that I make a point to watch every single week is whatever Bray Wyatt's doing. I, I am all in on the Fiend. I think he's the best. Absolutely. I mean, I think he's better than anything in AEW too. He's just so unique and and really just with the history of that character, it, it ties everything in. It's just really good storytelling, and you can tell Bray is into what he's doing. He's really excited about about kind of the matches that he's building toward and and the promos that he's that he's cutting. That again. When people enjoy their work, you can tell. You know, uh, you know. You look at John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. Uh, my my first thought when I saw him as John Moxley at Fighter Fest was, man, he just looks like he's having so much fun. And and I think again, that's why I think AEW is so is is succeeding so much right now. As you can tell, they are having so much fun putting together that putting together those shows. Well, I did go to one of AEW's live events in Charleston, West Virginia. That was Rick and Morty night. Um, got to go to that. Um, you know, it's a fun a atmosphere to be in. What is it? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the, the Rick and Morty thing was a little forced. Boy, you're telling me. Uh, you got to pay the bill. But no. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it was a fun atmosphere. It was good to just sit back and enjoy the wrestling show. Um, it's a different vibe in person than it is on TV. TV, I feel... I pick things apart a little too much, but when I'm there in person, eh, not so much. Um, I'm not the biggest AEW fan in the world. I like some of their stuff, but I'm one of those people where I can find something on any wrestling program that I enjoy. So AEW's got some stuff I like, some stuff I'm not so crazy about. Yeah. Uh, same with WWE. I'm the same way with them. But uh, for me, NXT is still the best wrestling on television right now. That's just my opinion. Yes, though. and 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 I, and I mean their 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 War Games pay per view was was fantastic. Oh, um, unreal. Just, just un, unbelievable. I still I still can't believe the bump that 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 uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole took. Um, and then Adam Cole they, comes they, out and has a 15, 20-minute match with Pete Dunne the yeah. next night that just stole the freaking show. That match was killer. That match was fantastic. 
Um, and the women, the women in NXT are the best. Are the best? That's the best women's division in at least major major American professional wrestling. Oh, um, they're, it's not they're, even they're, close. All those girls are just absolutely killing it, and and they make NXT worth watching almost completely on its own. I mean, I know I think they had an all women NXT house show a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure that must have been an incredible, incredible performance. I'm sure it was. Tim, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a small boy trapped along the marks here. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about uh, AEW. For the I most do. part. I, I'm a big fan of Mr. Jericho. Big fan of uh, Cody Rhodes. No problem with him. Then it starts to slide for me a little bit. Um, particularly their, their, the ladies division. I'm not sure what they're doing there. Um, I and I agree with that. Their their women's division is is definitely missing something. Um, I, I, I agree with that. They got they've got one real star there, I suppose, and she doesn't seem to wrestle. She just comes out, cuts hair, and leaves. From what I've seen, um, they, they, I agree. They got to do a better job telling the story with the women. You know, I I, I I'm, I'm not I don't know Rio's history that well, um, but you know I'm 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 curious. You know what the decision was to make her the first champion. Um, I think Nyla Rose's story is interesting, and and you know, without not without some you know unnecessary controversy, but you know, I I, I think that she's a potentially strong character. Um, you know, I, I think Britt Baker is 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 fun. Um, but you know, I think I, I you know from what from what I understand, she's still kind of raw as a wrestler. So, you know, I, I think they're still figuring out their women's division and exactly how they want to portray them and, and show them on on air. And, and frankly, I mean, I think AEW's biggest weakness is they don't have the depth of talent that that WWE has. They really. don't. So, you know, they're they they've got to find ways to create new matchups and create new uh, combinations of of. of wrestlers throughout their divisions, through the tag division, through the women's division, through the men's division, well, they, uh, to keep the show fresh. They're sort of stuck in a spot, or at least from my view, where they've got, um, they've got a few guys who everybody knows, and then they've got a lot of guys that, unless you were an indie show goer, you might not know that much about them. And it's, I think they're having trouble trying to give those guys enough airtime so that you can learn something about them and why they – like one of the big, you know, okay, Orange Cassidy. All right, a lot of people don't like him. I've never heard anybody they, explain explain to me what his they, like. Why I, is I, he how I, he is? You know, they like, have. If you go if you go online and watch Orange Cassidy's matches, he is he is a bit of a a sideshow kind of wrestler. Um, they have not used him at all. I, I think. I mean, I, I don't think he's had a, a singles match on his own. But even then, like his matches are more. I don't know if he's a he's a he's a wrestler and, and his gimmick works on a big stage. He's incredibly talented. He is like yeah, really, but that's, really but that's what I'm saying. They don't. They have never yeah. taken the opportunity to go. Okay, who is this guy? Why does he? What's okay? Why is he got his hands in his pockets? What's his scoop about? He's just kind of there. And the hardcores and the hardcores. Okay, they maybe know, so they pop. Which is fine, but everybody else who's watching at home is going, "Who's this dude? And what's and, you know, he about?" That, you know, and, and, and I, I agree completely that that is that is part of what AEW has to figure out is, you know, I, I think AEW has done a really good job focusing on the wrestling. Their show is a wrestling show. There is more wrestling than talking, but at the same time, 
those promos, those vignettes are what builds the character and makes you care about the, char- the characters and why they're fighting. And, and I do think that that is, that is a balance AEW hasn't been able to find. They're, they're, they're top guys. You can just throw them in the ring and you get who they are. I mean, the Young Bucks, you get who they are. You know, Cody Rhodes, you get who he is. MJF, honestly, he is probably their, their best promo, you know, outside of Jericho. You know, he can just walk to the ring and you get who he is. Um, there, there are a lot of guys that you have to start to – they have to do a better job building understanding of who they are if they're going to build them into stars. It might just be because they do have a lot of people who are not used to being on television. Yeah. You know, and that it is a different vibe from a live show. You know, it it is does require a little more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Wherewithal, you know, you need to know what's okay. What's where are we in the match? Are we going to a commercial, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? All that production end of things. I mean, granted, knowing which camera to look at. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. But that all being said, too, I mean, they've had ten shows. Yeah, <laughs> you know, would you have expected an NBA franchise? who was a brand new team in 10 games to have everything figured out? No. Yes. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. Yeah, well, Nate, <laughs> the you Knicks, might, Nate. The Knicks have been around for, for 60, 70 years, and they haven't yeah. figured things out. So. Yeah, look, yeah, look at that. Yeah, well, they, he's not wrong. They haven't. Been. He's not. That is an he's absolute not. train wreck there. But So, you know, maybe maybe the people are being a little harsh. Let's just let them find themselves. They've got – you know, the WWE wasn't born overnight either. I mean, it took them a long time to figure stuff out, and they still haven't but, figured but it all to, out. But to, so. but to that point about AEW, you know, and I, and I do think that this is both a strength and weakness of theirs. They really use social media. They use the Being the Elite show to try and fill in some of these gaps, but you can't assume your audience is watching that. And, and, I, and I do think that that's part of the weakness for, for them as a whole. I won't disagree with that. I won't either. And suddenly on this basketball show, a wrestling show broke out. But, <laughs> happened. It's happened before. <laughs> and it will happen again. But, Phil, thanks again no, so much well, for jumping until, until on. Conrad's and, on, it's not a wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> he's been on before. <laughs> I wish I was making it up, but he's been on before. I'm not yeah. even kidding. <laughs> we've had Conrad. We've had Bruce. We've had Mick Foley. It's a basketball show. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Phil, thanks again for jumping <laughs> on, as always. Guest well, Hall pleasure, of Famer. Sir, guys. For sure. Always good to hear from you. Let our listeners know. If they don't know by now, there's something wrong. But let them know anyway where they can follow with you and keep up. Well, if you're looking for more focused Orlando magic and, and NBA talk, you can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. That's P-H-I-L-I-P. RR underscore OMD. And uh, you can follow my follow Orlando magic daily on Twitter at O magic daily, or check us out at Orlando magic daily.com. And of course I also host the locked on magic podcast, which you can find wherever you download podcasts. Just search for locked on magic. Thanks again, Philip. We'll have you back soon, my man. Thanks a lot as always. No problem guys. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Good morning. And that was Philip Rossman Reich back as always. And we'll be back right after this to wrap up our show. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. 
That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meats that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On stripcamfun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because stripcamfun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. Thanks to our great sponsors, NewLawOffice.com, Atomics Comics and Collectibles, LLC, Stay Classy Meats, and stripcamfun.com. And Tim, that's it for the show tonight, and uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Sorry we didn't have any uh, top ten. No top ten this week. No... uh, no We're wild and craziness. We are but not sorry it, in the we are not sorry in the least. We uh this show is an indication of our mood this week. No ha ha's. Very few. Um, <laughs> lots of bitching. <laughs> lots of bitching and complaining. <laughs> Live with it because it's just uh, just the way it is this week and you yeah. got some basketball, so quit your complaining. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of basketball heavy stuff. Hope you're not mad about that when you tune into the basketball show. But uh, we got some great stuff around the corner. I've uh, been in contact with a couple of people. Uh, one guy who just recently left his employer for a certain company in Stanford, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, we might have a Patreon show coming up, Tim, if you catch my drift. Oh, I, I, I think I caught it. Um, I've also got word that the uh, Sheets Corporation is a little bit mad that they didn't get a free plug this week. Well, they got a free plug in the paper and, uh, Ed, for the parade. Yeah. And, uh, and Ed's wife is probably quite pleased that he wasn't even mentioned until just now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go without mentioning Ed Boggess. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ed Boggess is the glue for this show, but uh, even Ed needs a week off. The, you know, the, yes, paparazzi and, uh, were, the paparazzi were really getting on him and, yeah, get, you don't need that. Get, and big shout out to our favorite two hosers from uh, over in St. Albans, right. Nick and Danielle. Hello. I mean, uh, I think, and I mean, and you could hear. I think during the show, you could hear the screams of joy from Armando Martinez as the uh, 49ers defeated the the uh, Saints. 
What a game that to, was, man. And he, started, and he started to talk. No offense, Armando. I love it. But he was talking shit on Facebook, something fierce about the 49ers. I, I don't blame him. You know what? <laughs> he's oh, earned oh, it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no. He's, hey, argue it. Yeah, he's earned it. <laughs> um, you can't. So, next yeah. week, though, um, maybe not on the basketball show, we may throw together a college football special next week where we will be joined by our good buddy Stephen P. New. Now get this, Stephen P. New has come up in the nineties. He came up with a college football playoff system. I believe and he said I thought it was two thousand and one, I believe. Well maybe maybe that's what it was. And he's been working on he's been he's been fine tuning this this uh yes epic work of art for a while and he would like to reveal it. Yeah, so we're going to try and get him on the show to talk about this uh, college football playoff system that he's come up with, and uh, may have to get a hold of Jeff next week as well, and get the old, say again? I said that that might be why Ed Bogus wasn't on the show this week, because he's mourning the uh, Notre Dame. (laughs) Ah, well, just go watch Rudy, Ed, you'll feel better. Uh, Uh, Oh, speaking of which, Nate, well, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, no, go ahead. Appa- go ahead. Appalachian State is located where? If you say Appalachia, I will so slap you. I think it's somewhere in North or South Carolina. Okay, because I see they, they have managed to get themselves a pretty good bowl game. And Marshall. Yeah, Marshall got a good one. The University of Marshall is going to take a run at UCF. That ought to be interesting where uh, – Jesus, we're turning into a college football show here, but uh, where the uh, passing, high-scoring University of Central Florida goes up against Marshall's ground and pound, which ought to be interesting. Appalachian State is in Boone, North Carolina. Okay, so. fair enough. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. So, yeah, good for them though to get into the top twenty-five. Got themselves a nice bowl game out of the deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but we're looking forward to it. Should be a fun college football episode. I think we'll have a blast talking about it. And uh, I think what we'll do is uh, we'll get Steve on to explain his college football system and maybe get Jeff on and we'll do predictions and we'll make fun of our, um, make fun of our wonderful uh, bowl games this year. How do you think jazz hands goes over on a podcast? (laughs) We're going to find out. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I think that's a good spot to call it a night. It is been a good night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. You can check us out on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. Make sure you're out there downloading the show. Give us a five-star rating if you feel like we've earned it on iTunes. It helps the show out. Find us on Twitter at Wild, at Wide Jump. He's at TileMint68. I'm at MMITM Nathan. And we are out of time. Tim, send us home. Metal World Peace. Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search wide men can't jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets 
Well, you can check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.